0: Are you guys with us? We know you are. So here's how you can help. First, share this podcast with your friends. We can't grow without you. Second, go to www.dmwpodcast.com and check out our merch site. I guarantee we have some great stuff that you're going to love. And your purchase helps support the show. Lastly, keep on leaving positive reviews and follow on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Deadman Walking Podcast. As always, we appreciate your prayers as we continue to bring glory to God. Pete, Jason, T. Barlow, Jordan, we're just inviting some people in the room, we to get started here in one second. Alright, let's get going here guys, how you guys doing tonight?
1: Doing good, man. Doing good. We'll get rid of some
0: of his background music. There we go. Yeah, so uh, thanks for jumping on. We usually have some more people hop in uh, five, ten minutes in. As uh, the notifications go out, but uh, yeah, welcome back to uh, Reformed and Rowdy After Dark. We're just talking about our favorite uh, Reformed theologians, preachers, or scholars, and why we like them. Just so you guys know, everyone in the room, this is a recorded room. It will go up on the Dead Men Walking podcast site. That's released every Thursday, and we do this room every Tuesday from 9 p.m. until 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Excuse me. But, uh, yeah, we just wanted to do a fun one. We covered some serious topics uh, the last few weeks, and when I was thinking uh, today, I just went, you know, I really like discussing who, who has influenced who, you know, who have you been influenced by, or who do you prefer when you're talking about theologians, preachers, or scholars? Obviously, I put Reformed in front of that since this is a Reformed room, but we could talk about some other ones as well, too. Um, Jason, did you have, uh, any off the top of your head that you wanted to start with or maybe even someone, uh, uh, it can be, and here's the thing. It can be, it can be dead, alive, you know, past, present, whatever it is, or it could just be someone who you think has influenced you or someone you really like to listen to. What do you think?
1: Yeah. 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 I could, uh, I could dive in a little bit. Um, I don't know theologian preacher scholar. There's so many, uh, people that have influenced. Um, yeah, I mean the reform teaching side of things. Um but probably the uh the most notable most notables, can I say that? Um <laughs> probably uh Doug potables
0: for a hundred, Alex.
1: There most we go. notables for a hundred. Yeah. So uh probably Doug Wilson. Um mm. you know, uh he's just like he's just a beast, man. I mean I, I love everything he puts out. I mean his books they'll make you think. Um, he dives into more subjects than just, um, the, you know, the normal, um, Christian rhetoric, um, stuff, I guess you could say, I don't know how else to say it, but, uh, he dives into, into, uh, um, topics that a lot of people don't realize are in the Bible. Or that they don't want to talk about. Yeah. Or they don't want to talk about for sure. (laughs) Like he dives into life and I, and I mean, that's, That's what it's about, you know, like, how can we live out, live out our walk without, uh, without knowing more about, you know, life and how to, how to live it out. Um, yeah, what's then, crazy about uh, him, yeah, really I mean, quick,
0: and I'll let you get to your second one. What's crazy yeah, about him is he's yeah. been around 30 years, and then the last 10 years he hit a new plateau. And I would say in the last year during COVID, or even year and a half, he's been he's in like another stratosphere now. In, in just like uh, people yeah, listening well, it, to him and and you know having a platform and things like that. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Right. Well, I mean, I, the only thing I wonder about Doug, like you know, how everybody has that favorite band that they don't tell anybody else about. <laughs> right. You know, they're just like. I'm not going to tell anybody about this band. I'm going to keep this record a secret, you know, like everybody's got that band or whatever, but like, I mean, well, anyway, in my circles anyway. Um, (laughs) But, uh, but, you know, I feel like Doug Wilson was that guy that he was, he was underground, but like a lot of people knew about him, but only some would talk about him. And also just because of the controversy that he (laughs) usually, you know, creates you know with, with truth i mean it's not like a controversy that isn't with truth but uh right yeah i mean uh but yeah like doug wilson's awesome Um uh, but yeah i mean i i could go on and on dude i mean there's there's so many people that i love listening to i mean james white uh you know dervin of course um uh, glenn sunshine man always always gets me you know fired up i mean like i love the historian side of him but also the um, theological side i mean there's just so many man i could probably go on and on one uh,
0: one of my favorite james uh white responses when he was uh talking to someone online
2: yes of course because they're wrong about that and then when we debate it i'm able to demonstrate to them the error of their assumptions because they're making the exact same erroneous assumptions that you are (laughs) (laughs) isn't that so james whitish oh i love it man (laughs) they're making the exact
0: same assumption erroneous assumptions you are
1: (laughs) oh boy he's just just a fireball man sometimes man, he just gets going but i mean i don't know sometimes what what is it a righteous uh a little bit of righteous anger there
0: yeah well you know what i found with him is like when you've been doing something for 20 or 30 years and You know, you're at those upper levels of understanding on certain things that maybe either the average believer doesn't understand or into, or even the ones that are claiming to have a higher understanding of it. He's been doing it for so long that it just seems like very simple things. So he can come off a little bit condescending sometimes i know there was one guy that was arguing with him about the greek meaning of a word and he goes have you read the strong's concordance do you know what what the meaning is he's like i don't have to look it up sir i speak greek fluently
1: yeah yeah teach it. Like, he was like, he's like i teach it uh, yeah that was the hebrew israelite um, yeah that was the hebrew israelite episode
3: i want to say like it's funny that you guys are bringing it up because that's exactly what i was just i was just thinking about that like uh, and it's like it it it's people will hear that first of all grace of peace man it's good to hear your voice it's good to be on yeah uh, I hear that. you I mean, too. Uh, yeah. but like yeah like people hear I don't know like they mistake confidence oftentimes for arrogance when it's like well like no like listen like like you don't realize like how wrong you are about this and I'm trying to tell you you know and and it's like it's so it's so hard to sit there and be like well I've studied this extensively this that, and the other but like I I remember that when he was going he was going heads up in the debate with the guy on the on the BHI. And he was like, "Man, do you have a strong concord?" Like he was asking him as if like, "Yo, you need to go take a look at up so you can see what I'm talking about." It's like, "No, I don't need one," you know, like because I, you know, like I teach this, you know, like, like, like you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he's like, he's like, I'm, you know, in so many words, he's like, I'm not new to this. I'm true to this. Like, I, like, I'm, <laughs> I, like, I, I got, to, I got to I, I put in the work, man, and and so, like, yeah. Um, yeah. How about yeah, you, T Barlow? You, you got
0: some favorites? I got one too, but. Throw one out there. Who are you listening to or influenced by, or who do you like?
3: Um, uh, man, right now I got I got quite a few. Uh, I got to tell you, Paul Washer is probably like the first reform preacher I listened to, and uh, and that was before I knew anything about reform theology. Mm. Um, and so and uh, and like his stuff, man. Like for a while, like he's one of those ones. Like I love listening to him, but I always got to kind of just be like in like a mood you know because it's like <laughs> you, know, cause, you know uh it's, it's it's weird it's like it's like punishing myself but at the same time like i feel like he said such great things that i need to hear and, and sometimes they're hard things uh or whatnot but I, I always come out of it like feeling uh, feeling better uh Bodie is oh uh, um, yeah
0: that's where i was going
3: I, 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 yeah i i love voting I, I, and here's the thing i before i was Go forth naming any more teachers. Folks need to understand it's not that I'm saying that I agree with everything, every giant tittle that comes out of their mouths or mm. whatnot. But like, but I love Bodie. I love his approach to things. I feel like he he handles things um on an intellectual level, and at the same time, it's like able to do so without um but with, like without like negating the the emotive uh that should follow. You know, um, i've seen Bodie cry as he preached. You know, as, as he preached something intellectual. You know, and so it's like it, So I love that um. H.B. Charles, um, mm. that's just a, uh, I, I love it. I love. I love listening to him preach as well as Elder Ward, uh, Elder D.J. Ward, who somebody who's passed on. And again, like they, like these guys, they uh, they have a particular um, uh, they have a, a, a an approach that I want, I probably would say like it's probably like a little bit more cultural. So it's like it's yeah. familiar, yep. But it's like without that, but without that fluff that uh that I see so often. Like I see preachers do. Like they have a style of preaching, like a hooping and hollering, but they're not really saying anything. Whereas somebody like HB Charles and Elder DJ Ward, they'll have that hoop and that holler. But man, are they they're saying some sound stuff as they're hooping and hollering. And it's like I love that. Like it's you know, it's it's stuff that like I don't know, it's it's like eating soul food. Like, you know, it's just oh, like it's sure. just, it's it's hearty. You know, and so uh so yeah, those are those are some of my favorites right now.
0: And you know, I'm not even uh, partial, I don't mind a little hooper, hoop and hollering as long as you're saying something that's theologically sound and it's the meat of the word. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't yeah, even yeah. mind a little excitement, little pomp and circumstance as long as what you're saying is, is true and right and, uh, sound. And as for Vadi, man, it's, or Vodi, it's like, Oh my gosh! Talk about a guy who's been solid for so long and consistent on saying the same thing. He was talking about this cultural Marxism stuff for fifteen years, and you know I think he he probably deals with, uh, you know he's a little more patient than a James White. I can see James White gets a little you know a a little testy sometimes, but uh, Bacha man, he's always just so humble, so meek. But what he says is consistent; it's true. Um, I'm halfway through Fault Lines right now, which if anyone's listening, go pick up that book. That is amazing i mean he's dropping truth bomb after truth bomb on me some of the stuff i'm familiar with some of it i'm not um but that's a great book and you know we continue to pray for him and his full recovery but uh yeah th- those are all good man and even ward who he he ha- he did pass on just recently right like a year or so ago or just recently
3: I, yeah i to say with i want to say within the past like couple of years like i don't i don't know exactly when it was man. but like yeah he, yeah yeah, and I've only recently learned of him within the past, like, say, like three or four years, and so. But yeah, man, um, I, I put on a war sermon on a Sunday morning. Yeah, and and yo, like the house is just listening. That's <laughs> like right. Just, that's just good.
0: Yeah, and Paul Washer is one of those ones you have to be in the mood to get cut, you know, because uh, he's not pulling any punches. Probably the two for me. That are more recent, and we can get into some historical ones as well, but the two that really marked my life, uh, and I told this story before on the podcast, but I'll say it really quickly here. I was actually, and in, in, uh, Jordan, uh, who is on here will understand this, because we went through a Dave Hunt phase with the Brian Call, and I was reading Brian Call and w- big time into Dave Hunt and buying his books. And he had a book for sale, and it was debating Calvinism with David Hunt and this guy that I never heard of called James White. Now, this is like 15 years ago or so. And I went, Oh, this is going to be awesome, man. Dave Hunt is going to tear this guy up. And I started reading through it, and it's a chapter of Dave Hunt, and then a chapter of James White, and then a chapter of Dave Hunt, and then a chapter of James White. And they're debating Calvinism. And Hunt is obviously on the Arminian side, and White is on the Calvinist side. And I get halfway through the book, and I'm like, dude, Hunt is not holding his end of the deal up here. What is going on? And then I started getting into James White. And I was like, oh, my Lord, what is going on here? And so James White was a big one for me. And then, of course, uh, the father of modern theological explanation and, per- and you know, just being a professor in the faith. And one of my favorite drops is uh, R.C. Sproul.
4: What's wrong with you people?
0: I mean... <laughs> for your money on a drop too. You can't get better than what's wrong with you people, you know, for a drop, but he, his lectures and sermons uh, and even his ministry at Ligonier really, uh, you know, re- really marked my life as well. Did I drop out there for many of you guys? No, no. Oh, okay.
3: But I want to say, I can't believe, I cannot believe, this is just to show how fallible I am. I can't believe I did not, did I forgot to mention R.C. R.C. is probably my favorite. Yeah. I, I can listen to that man.
1: Oh, you there? Oh, hello? Did we
0: lose uh, like, T. Did Barlow? Did we lose, lose T. Barlow? Yeah, we might have lost him. Uh-oh. No, T- he, you still there, T. Barlow? We lost uh, you. Hey, do you have
3: any there? There, there you are. There you are. Yeah, yeah I, 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 my signal is going in and out. But no, no. Um, I got to say, I can listen to him all day. And then not even just him, but um, can, you, can you guys still hear me? Because it looks like I'm losing my signal. Yep,
1: yep. Yeah, no, yeah you you're got good. Out,
3: yeah. Oh, William Gerstner. You y'all, 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 y'all ever listen to him?
1: I have. Yep.
3: Yeah. Yeah, Gerstner is another one, uh, man. That like, like, like it's so weird because, like, I think to the average person he would be boring, but Golly, like, there's like, it's just, it's just a lot of good stuff there to listen to. And whether you, again, whether you agree with it or not, I think he does a fine way of present, of presenting that stuff. And it's like I can sit here and listen to this stuff forever.
0: Oh yeah, one hundred percent. You know yeah. what? One of
1: the
3: I, I, what do you got, Jay?
1: Oh, I was just gonna say the, the cool thing about RC Sproul, man. He would always make it so practical. Like he yeah. has the the best analogies. The way he explained things, I mean, it just makes so much sense. I mean, I just love the way he taught. But uh, I just yeah, remember I, I sitting back watching,
0: and watching videos of him from like the seventies, him and his chalkboard. And I'm like, Am I sitting here oh, right yeah, now watching the, a dude in bell bottoms and a best. chalkboard, like learning all kinds of crazy <laughs> I know, stuff? Right? I think I am.
1: I know, right? Yeah, dude. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oops. Oh no, no, I was, I was done. That's all I was going to add. Yeah. T- oh yeah, go ahead, T.
3: Oh, no, I was just gonna say, I was gonna say, I, was just, yeah, I, I agree. Like, like, bro has a way of taking like deep, uh, taking deep concepts and, and making it so plain without sounding like he's insulting your intelligence, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, for sure. I'll tell you one of the ones that, uh, I really got into, uh, after I heard his life story was John Newton. Uh, you know, famously wrote Amazing Grace and the fact that he was a slave ship owner uh, or well, captain of a slave ship. And he used to, you know, even his crew members, he would basically take a rod and beat him at the knees if he didn't like what they did. And I mean, he was just a mean, mean, horrible, depraved person. The Lord saved him. And then he goes off and You know, when you know that backstory where he writes saved a wretch like me, he knew exactly the type of person uh, that he was and didn't deserve that amazing grace. And you look at the transformation in his life to even getting politically involved to uh, move into uh, being an abolitionist and fighting uh, against those things and trying to undo some of the things he'd done as a 20 to 30 year old man uh, as a captain of a slave ship. It was just like, you know. Man, you sing that song with that background and understanding who he was, and then you know we all sing Amazing Grace, and we sing it at funerals and weddings and once a while in church, and we, we don't think too much of it. But when you read through the verses of that after reading his life and uh, what the Lord did with him, it's just—I mean, that was another one that really influenced me, too, even through some of his quotes and writings. I know we got Jordan and Stephen and Pete down there. If you guys want to jump on and contribute, feel free. Raise your hand. We'll bring you up, and uh, you guys can give us a little— of who has influenced you. Obviously, probably the most quotable for me, and there's just so many good quotes and sermons from this gentleman, is uh, Charles Spurgeon. I mean, he was the prince of preachers for a reason. Um, you could literally just you know, drop all his quotes in a bucket and pull one out of the hundreds of thousands, and any one of them would be just spot on and so deep and so theologically sound. It's just amazing. One of my favorites by him is when you go through a trial— the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which you lay your head. I just love the imagery of that.
3: Yeah, I, mine is. I wish I can. Uh, I wish I can quote it properly, but it has something to do with the fact of who must go to hell. Like, let them go with you clutching at their ankles. Like, basically, some like in so many words, like, man, like, like, do your best to preach the gospel to them to keep them from going to hell. But it's like if they must go to hell, make make sure they go with you, uh, trying to grasp at their ankles to keep them from going. I forget how how it's worded. Yeah. But, um, but it's one of my favorite yeah. quotes. Listen, I'm sorry. Family duty calls. I'm going to have to log off. Oh, you're good, dude. Yeah,
0: you're good. It's all good, man. Uh, That's man what it's all about.
3: I, I, I love up. Yeah, yeah. No, I keep doing this, man. I'm going to do my best to try to jump on uh, every yeah. week and whatnot, man. And, and to fellowship some more with you guys, man. I love what you're doing, man. I love y'all. Y'all be encouraged, man.
0: Oh, thank I'm you. Sure you too, too, man. Thanks, T. Thanks,
3: T. Yeah. Grace and peace.
0: Yep, absolutely. We have Jordan coming up too. Oh,
1: cool. Oh, I was just going to say real quick, there was a quote by Spurgeon that I really like. I don't know the... the the exact word for word, but it was something about uh, your Bible having enough dust on it to write damnation on it, because <laughs> like, you hadn't read it in so long, you know. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't
0: pull any punches, and you know now. I
1: know, man. And nowadays, and we, that's like, yeah, we have Joel Olstein. Oh man, watch out! Watch out what you say. Don't say I just think crazy. It might drive people away would
2: and wouldn't go to heaven. I just think that only God can judge a person's heart. now larry larry
1: that's from sorry jordan go ahead
0: that's that's from his interview with larry king
2: i just i'm very careful about saying who and would and wouldn't go to
0: heaven (laughs) i'm just very careful about who and who wouldn't go to heaven you know larry
1: careful about a lot of stuff that
0: interview is gold if you guys go watch it just type in larry king and joel olstein real quick and then we'll get to jordan but i mean larry king is just like just, just like grilling him. I'm a Jew. Do I go to heaven? He's like, now, now, Larry, now, Larry. I don't judge a man's heart, but I'm a Jew. I don't believe in Christ. Well, I go to hell. And he's like, but, but, Larry, Larry, please, Larry, just let me finish. And Larry's just like gives up. He's like, okay, this guy's not going to give me the answer I'm looking for. And then MacArthur went on two weeks later and just like you know spat the truth in his face. Yeah. What do you got, Jordan? What's going on, man? We see you're muted, but you're up on stage. You got something
1: for us?
4: Yeah. So my favorite author of all time is Rick Warren and uh, <laughs> just,
1: i was like here we go
4: <laughs> come on i,
0: I think it's all about
4: purpose all
0: it's purpose driven
4: yeah oh um, man action.
0: what am i here for stay with us we'll be right back This episode is brought to you by Covenant Real Estate. And why not? It's my podcast and my real estate company. But seriously, I've absolutely enjoyed helping clients buy, sell, and invest in real estate over the last 12 years. My brokerage serves clients in Michigan and Ohio, with more states coming soon. When I started this brokerage, I wanted to ensure that my expertise and knowledge would serve every one of my clients. I take my fiduciary responsibility to my clients very seriously. That's why I named it Covenant Real Estate. Not only is a covenant a contract in the legal sense, but it's also a solemn promise from myself to each of my clients. I will do my absolute best to serve you. It's also pretty cool that our name has some theological implications as well, which is a great conversation starter. And here's the best part. My agents and I have extensive experience in helping people buy and sell residential homes, buy and sell commercial properties, as well as investing in real estate and selling and purchasing recreational and vacant land. Covenant Real Estate can help you with all of your real estate needs, and I would love the opportunity to earn your business. So if you have real estate needs in Michigan or Ohio, call me at 734-731-GREG. That's 734-731-GREG. Or click on the link in the description of this podcast episode you're listening to right now. Remember, Covenant Real Estate. Confidence from contract to close. <laughs> to, to, to build a church up to 10,000 people and make millions of dollars. True. Was that all you had, Jordan? You just got to make your Rick Warren joke and then dip out?
4: Uh, no, I, I was actually, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and this is, this might be uh, you know saved for a different time because I don't I don't want to throw the the theme off. Um, but I was sitting here and I was thinking you guys were talking about your influences, and I was thinking I'm not exactly sure what because this says Reformed theology, and I'm not familiar with that term other than the Reformation. So is my, I guess my question, which is, is reformed a brand of like Calvinism, or is it, or is it just like a stand for like the Reformation kind of modern church? I, I'm not exactly sure what you mean by reformed, and I was just curious about that. But if that needs to be for a different time, you know, Oh, no, that's so. fine.
0: That's a good question. Does anyone else want to take it so I don't hog the mic? I'm looking at you, Stephen.
1: Do it up, man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> oh boy, pressure's on. Uh,
0: we're kidding you don't have to i can answer it to the best of my ability
1: go ahead i do have
2: a brown robin idea yeah i mean i would kind of lean towards more of just the reformation heritage than necessarily um any of those guys in particular in their and their specific teachings but all of them together um you know the five solas and what the Reformation as a whole was all about. Uh, We've got, even on the club, we've got a regular on here, Luther, who's, I mean, he's a, a, uh, he calls himself a classical Arminian, but, you know, solid dude who loves the Lord. So, you know, reformed in the sense that, um, yeah, you know, I guess just Reformation heritage as a whole. And I think a few episodes ago, we had a bit of a discussion about, like, you know, trying to get into the finer points, like what is reformed and what's not. And it sort of gets murky, but yeah, I don't know, Greg, I'll let you take over.
0: Yeah, no. So that, that seems about right. But so obviously reform comes from the reformation and, and I would say the main tenets of that are the the five solas and tulip and, and things like that. Generally, when you're saying reform to someone else, they understand it to be in the Calvinistic tradition. Um, and really the, the word reformed has been almost replaced Calvinism just because a lot, I think a lot of people didn't like the word Calvinism because it sounds like you're following Calvin instead of the reformation as a whole, which encompass you know, includes a lot of different things going on there. Um, just like how you probably wouldn't call us Lutherans right? Lutherans kind of took on that tradition and they have some different things with sacraments and stuff like that, obviously, and some other theological differences. So I I guess like in the last 15 years, and it was really when like the young, restless, and reformed kind of had a resurgence in the mid-2000s, reformed kind of took on the name of Calvinism. And it still holds to uh, the doctrines, uh, well, I'd say the doctrines of the Bible, but the ones that the Reformation kind of brought out, uh, in the mid 15th century, uh, which would, which would be like tulip and, and the solas and, and the push against obviously the Catholic church during the Reformation. So from Reformed to Reformed person, when you say reformed, we kind of know what we're talking about. And within that, you can get into some different streams of reformed
4: Christianity, but I would say in the last, I
1: was going to say, does, does Jordan know what the tulip stands for? And... So,
4: I I was just going to um, butt in and ask. I'm not familiar with what you mean by solas or, like, obviously. So, Greg and I, Greg and I actually grew up in church together. You, know, um, yeah. so you, you probably know kind of the extent of what I know as far as our childhood goes. So, But I've never heard of tulip or solas in my life till just now. So, I'm not. Uh, that, is it just a name for something that I've already heard of? It's acronym
0: or yeah absolutely so yeah tulip was actually a response to um the arminian five points right after the reformation so uh arminius came out with five points and i think it's facts i have to remember what the f-a-c-t-s-s stands for uh but the the reformed theologians and thinkers of, of the time came out with tulip which the t stands for total depravity we're lost in our sins we have no means to choose God, Uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, kind of those scripture verses supporting that unconditional election, that God elects those unto himself unconditionally with no preconceived notions of who might choose him? Who might not? Uh, that guy was a pretty good guy, so I'll I'll grant him in fact grant him salvation. In fact, it's the, the exact opposite, right? Um, the L is limited atonement, which everyone believes in a limited atonement. Uh, but the Reformed position is that the atonement is limited in scope but unlimited in power. Um, the Arminians would believe that it's limited in power but unlimited in scope. So they look at John three sixteen and they say, "Whosoever uh, believes." Uh, And that's every person, everywhere, all the time, throughout all humanity. And the reform position is... Christ's blood atoned for the exact elect that He chose to atone for. So it's an unlimited atonement in that sense. The I is irresistible grace, uh, which means that God's grace is irresistible; it can't be resisted once He initiates that faith for you to believe, because it says even faith is a gift from God that it can't be resisted. You will be regenerated, you will be saved, and then perseverance of the state uh, states of the saints, uh, or as Probably you heard it said, Jordan, once saved, always saved, meaning, uh, you know, when you're talking about John 6 and John 20 and uh, whoever the Father gives me in my hand, you know, no one can take them away. So once you are saved, once you are regenerated, you have the atoning work of Christ has done all its work. You can't backslide out of of salvation or lose your salvation. So that T-U-L-I-P, that's a very quick and kind of miniature version of that but when we say tulip that's really what came out of luther's reformation within the within 30 years of that and honestly luther was really concerned i mean he had his 95 theses but he was really concerned about justification through faith alone that was his big thing it was like you can't add things on to salvation on how we get salvation and out of that came uh tulip and then the five solas Um, either Jason or anyone else want to go through any of the five solas?
1: Hello? Hey, sorry. Did I just hear my name?
0: (laughs) I just seen if anyone else wanted to go through uh, the five solas. So, oh, go ahead. I'm listening. Oh, no, sorry. So, yeah, the five solas really came out of the Reformation as well because it was reinforcing uh, kind of some of the things the Catholic Church had taken advantage of. So sola scriptura means by Scripture alone, right? Sola means alone. So uh, we don't add anything to Scripture or take away from it. Sola fide means by faith alone. There's nothing else that justifies us. Um, it's by faith alone that we come to Christ, and it's the gift of faith that, that is given to us by God. Um oh geez. Um Soli uh give me the other ones here. I'm drawing a blank. Soli Christus by Christ alone, right? There's no other one that saves, so it's it's a lot of a of alones, nothing being added to. Soli De Gloria. It's by God's glory Soli Fide. alone.
1: Yeah, what's yeah. that what's that? Did
4: you say
0: Sole Fide? Sole Fide by S- faith alone.
4: Yeah. that? S- christ alone i'm just i don't mean to like uh, ask a question in the middle of the explanation um because it's all super fascinating um is how do they uh reconcile the, is the christ alone meaning like obviously salvation through the, the cross and what christ did but like how do they reconcile people in the old testament who never heard of christ or who never had anything to do with really that
0: sure that's a uh i mean that's a Great question and a deep one. It's uh well first of all I think the Bible is clear and even the prophets were clear uh that every person through the moral co- for the moral code written on our conscience has a time and place that they through common grace can see God, can can see Christ. And I would submit to you that there will be some people in eternity in the presence of the Lord that has never uttered the word Jesus or Christ. In fact, I know just about all non-English speaking people <laughs> will have never uttered that, right? We say Jesus. That's that's an English translation of a Greek translation of a Hebrew name. So we're already too removed. But just by saying that name, um, so I believe before the covenant of Christ was fulfilled, uh, there was uh, believers, and when I say believers, I mean those who trusted in the covenant of uh, of the law and of God that uh, were. Jewish people uh you know you look at David who at times uh it would say the holy spirit fell on him and he was and he was filled with the holy spirit which that's kind of a different subject too um you know the indwelling of the holy spirit post covenant with christ versus the uh falling upon of the of the spirit but um i look simply to ecclesiastes proverbs some of the uh old testament and hebrews where they say every person uh with the, with the moral code that has been written on their conscience can look even at nature, can look at this reality and say, there is a God. Uh, and it's up to, Oh, I'm sorry. What was that?
4: Yeah, no. I, and I, did, I didn't, I didn't mean to, what I, what I wasn't doing is like trying to throw up. Well, what about this? I, I was I'm no, that's actually genuinely curious with it. So I did, I did wanted to make sure that I wasn't trying to like, well, what about, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. But the solely Christus was more an, uh, a Reformation response to the Catholic Church. They're like, look at you don't need a vicar of Christ. You don't need a priest. You don't need mediation through the saints or through Mary. You don't need penance. You don't need indulgences. It's by Christ alone, because that's what really Luther and the Reformation was pushing against, because, uh, I mean, the, the Catholic Church at that time had gotten so far away from the core doctrines of the faith that that's why a Reformation took place. So... I mean, that sola, sola Christus isn't really necessarily talking about covenant theology and dispensationalism and, like, how do we know if someone—do they have to say are, are Jesus Christ?
4: final, meaning, like, if you are swayed somewhere in your life that one of these pillars um, might be slightly different? It doesn't cancel out the whole thing. I mean, it's a journey, right? Or, or are these so finalized in everyone's head um, that it's either this is all of it, it's already been proven, and here's the arguments for it, and there's no wiggle room, or is there an idea where it's like, hey, If some of this stuff isn't 100% on as as the journey continues, you know, that can be, you know, searched for, or is it pretty, pretty darn final?
0: Well, that's a great question. Uh, In my opinion, I think that's the reason why we have primary doctrines and secondary doctrines, right? So if you want to discuss a Trinitarian doctrine, I would say to the Christian faith, that is a core doctrine that one must understand, believe, and confess. If you want to talk about the doctrine of eternal security, which is the P in TULIP, right? Can I lose my salvation? To me, I can sit next to a brother uh, who believes that he can lose his salvation, and I say, I don't think that's biblical. Uh, I think you're interpreting some things wrong. I believe in perseverance of the saints, but I think that's a secondary doctrinal issue. We can still call each other brothers and believers. So I I think that the tulip points, uh, if you're referring to those, some of those are are negotiable. And and really— it doesn't. It's not like we look at uh, people who don't believe in a reformed theology. Or at least I don't. I don't want to speak of everyone in the room, and maybe other people can speak to this. I have many Christian friends that are Arminians and that believe in uh, total libertarian free will and God. Uh, you know, we have to choose God, uh, and then He chooses us. And yeah, uh, I think we can have a discussion about free will, but still call each other believers. I think it can taint your worldview and taint your biblical worldview. Uh, If you're looking at God in a certain way, anything less than sovereign, all-powerful, almighty, all-holy, all-righteous, full of wrath and justice and love, which those things are all his character, uh, we can get too lopsided one way or the other. So I think the secondary points are always negotiable. Uh, What happens when you become a heretic or when you become uh, a legalistic church is when you take those secondary issues and you move them into the primary issues of doctrine. Right, if if wearing if women wearing pants is on the same level as uh, Christ's sufficiency, well, now we have an issue, right? The second one can Jesus be debated. <laughs> right, Jesus you told me. So, I mean, that's just kind of a very short definition for me or explanation. I don't know if I explained it right. But does anyone else want to take on that one? Since I'm doing all the talking tonight,
1: I was just gonna bring up just your. Salvation process, I guess, is what I think of whenever it comes to um, reformed. Um, because I mean, I actually experienced the tulip um, process for my salvation. Like, I mean, I I really truly believe that I was drawn in because I was not looking for Christ whatsoever. Um, you know, the night that I really I fell off my chair. You know, my lazy boy, like watching a movie. Uh, you know, like <laughs> drinking like crazy. Um, I mean, it, it was not a moment where I would have been like, man, I'm going to go down to the altar after I hear this emotional sermon, you know, it was much more of a Christ drew me in for sure, you know? So I realized that I was totally depraved. I mean, you know, the irresistible grace comes into that of Tulip. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot to that, but, uh, but anyway, that's what I was thinking of just to add a little bit to the conversation, I guess, in that.
0: But. Yeah. The only thing I would say about that is I try, it's tough for me because I understand 100% what you're saying, because I had the same experience. I was running from the Lord. I wanted nothing to do with him. Uh, I was actually in a mode of, I don't care if I die or not. Um, let, let's see how many drugs I can do and do dangerous things. And if I die, I die, whatever, doesn't matter. Living you know, the life I wanted to live when when the Lord instantaneously changed all my surroundings and, uh, and drew me out. So I had that same experience, but I don't like to base my theology on my experience because for every time that I tell that story, there's an Arminian that's like, what are you talking about, man? Like I was seeking God and I did go down at, at an altar call and God radically changed my life. And it's like, yeah, his experience is true too. And he could truly be saved. I look at it biblically uh, and we would argue, I think you and I, Jason, that if an if minion or someone who's not of the reform persuasion would say that, we would say, "Well, Christ, <laughs> well, what made you get up from that aisle to go down to, uh, you know, that altar call? Like Christ drew first, right, 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 right. God drew you first. Yeah,
1: it's all, it's always, yeah, Christ always draws us first. I think that's what I was trying to get at. Yeah, but um, but yeah, but there are, you know, there are. I mean, Michael Brown, Doctor Michael Brown, could probably get on this on this call. And just, I mean, rip us apart more than likely, I mean, possibly, you know, like the right. Arminian view. I mean, you know, but I mean, if James White was here, I'm sure he could defend all of it or whatever. <laughs> but, but, you know, but I mean, but I, I think I was just trying to bring up like, like what I went through, you know, in the salvation process and just realize just how it's all about Christ. Like all of this is about Christ. It's not about me and the decisions that I make, you right. know? Um, uh, and I mean, the, and that's why I think reform teaching just, just rings true in my heart and in mine. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. But to get back to Jordan's thing, I, I would say, uh, yeah, there's, there's a certain core set of non-negotiables, uh, including uh, the deity of Christ, uh, Trinity, uh, so who, who saves and, and, and what was Christ's work on the, what, What did Christ's work on the cross accomplish? Um, Those type of things. The virgin birth. The the virgin birth, yeah. And even then, you got to, you know, really dig down into virgin birth, immaculate birth. I mean, obviously, Catholics and Lutherans have some different views on that as well. Uh, You know, they got to do mental gymnastics to say that. When the gospels talk about the brothers of Jesus, they're like, no, she didn't have any more kids. And it, even if she did, she was still a virgin somehow. And you're like, well, I just, the biblical support for that is is thin, if not there at all. But um, yeah, I would say there's core, you know, some of those things I mentioned that are non-negotiable. But in Reformed theology, there's, there is a lot of... Uh, negotiable. Okay, if the dividing line is believer or non-believer, there's a lot that's negotiable within reform theology. There's, it's a little more. It's, they're still negotiable, but they're a little thinner. I don't know if that makes any sense.
4: Yeah. The, the reason the reason I ask is, uh, I'm kind of in a place um, not to, you know, make it about me right now, but. Uh, <clears throat> where I've kind of lost Christianity a while back um, and enough time has gone by where I'm interested in diving back in. Um, but I'm surprised at kind of how much I've forgotten. And then a little conversation will, will go by and I'll go, Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. I remember all this stuff. Yeah. Um, so I'm just kind of like refreshing my brain with, uh, with, with what it is you guys believe um, because I'm a, I'm about to. You know, I've talked to a couple of people about this. I was actually going to talk to you about this, but um, I'm about to actually go back through uh, the Bible and then uh, form some like major questions on unanswered questions that I have to kind of figure out. Because I'm getting to the age where it's like I want to figure out with a little order in my life of what I actually believe now, not versus you know when you're when you're. Ten or fifteen or twenty-two, um, and so I'm just sorting all that out. So, just curious to kind of see what the the, the core pillars are and whatnot. So,
0: no, that's awesome, man. I I, I would say uh, in the Reformed community too, we really value church history and the what's the word I'm looking for? His, histeros, historicity is that a word? You know, the history of things too. Um, that really drew that's me in as history. well. It's kind of stand, you know, and obviously you stand on the the inerrancy of scripture but standing on the shoulder of giants who have done uh you know labored and labored and labored in in works and writings and sermons and things like that too where i feel the modern church has really lost that but that's just my personal opinion but uh yeah what else we got we uh man we yeah i love when we kind of uh detour (laughs) <laughs> on a subject. I know last sorry, week. Sorry we, no, I like it. We had like three subjects last week and like we only got to the first one. Yeah, right. But uh,
2: I would say, uh, uh, Jordan, going back to your uh, your question about the five solas and whether or not like is that a core doctrine. And I would say uh, it is. And I mean, especially for when it comes to soteriology, you think about, um, you know, by grace, through faith, in Christ, sola, you know, alone. And a way to sort of that I sort of sniff out is whether something's not right is instead of using that word alone, replace that uh, with a conjunction. So, for example, by grace through faith in Christ, unless or by grace through faith in Christ, and or you know, or if or but or anything like that, like by grace through faith in Christ, or. When you say that, you're getting into, you know, universalism. If you say by grace, through faith in Christ and, you know, insert something else like Mary or the saints or whoever, then that's also not good. Uh, so that's, I would say, yeah, absolutely. The five soul are a core doctrine of salvation.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. I And, and I was kind of going back to TULIP. Uh, but yeah, for sure, the solas, Stephen, you're absolutely right. I mean, if you get away from the Solas, that's where we get uh, Mormonism. That's where we get Jehovah Witness. That's where we get Seventh-day Advent. That's where we get, um, you know, bl- Black Hebrew theology. I mean, because we're adding things to those, so yeah, the solas meaning alone, and that's a really great example you just gave of putting a conjunction in there, uh, just by saying and or but or if, we get a lot of false doctrine by doing that. So yeah, great point. So as we wrap up the final fifteen minutes, anyone else got anyone that uh, they wanted to mention? We didn't. We didn't really get into too many. I know we mentioned R.C. Sproul. Uh, I'll tell you one book that really uh, changed my life, too, was A.W. Pink's The Sovereignty of God. Uh, for anyone listening, that's a great read, I think. Uh, R.C. Sproul's Confessions of Faith, or uh, Truths We Must Confess, Excuse me, uh, or Truths We Confess. Jeez, talking too fast, I'm adding words, uh, was, was one for me. And then, obviously, John Calvin's Institutes was uh, was really eye-opening. That was one I had to go back and uh, read a couple times because I'm dumb, <laughs> and big words are hard sometimes. Yeah,
2: I guess going back to uh, uh, before I joined the uh, joined the stage here, I guess you guys were talking about yeah your favorite uh, preachers, theologians, and scholars. And I mean, a lot of the ones you mentioned earlier, I'm right there with you guys. I listen to and read a lot of those guys, so I don't have many more to add. uh, Except for I would add a preacher who really is a huge influence on me um, um, is my own pastor. Manny Pereira here at Trinity Bible Church. Uh, He is, I would say, in terms of um, preaching and just preaching ability, but also knowledge and the the depths he can reach, um, right up there with all these guys we're talking about, with all these great preachers. And I say that without any kind of sarcasm. He is that good, and uh, he's not here, so he can't get uncomfortable with me bragging on him like this. But uh, <laughs> seriously, he's he's one of the best. So I'm blessed to be uh, under his teaching week in and week out. I mean, even if you guys want to look at look him up, you guys will be too. Um, but yeah, it's been great. My own pastor.
0: Spell his last name for
2: us. Uh, Pereira. It's uh let me see. P e r e i r a. His name Manny at Trinity Bible Church. So if you look him up, yeah, he's good.
0: Very cool. And I saw we have Demi uh, up on the stage. Demi, uh, welcome back. What do you got for us tonight?
5: Hey Greg, how's it going? Pretty um, good. yeah, I don't know which ones you guys mentioned. Uh, I just remembered last minute and I was like so bummed that I came in late because I saw the top three. I'm like, Oh, that's my favorite topic, but I'm so glad I remembered. Um, yeah, obviously RC Squirrel, that was one of the first mm-hmm. reformed theologian. Um, he helped me understand Christianity so much deeper. I- I don't know if you guys mentioned Paul Washer.
0: Oh, yeah. T. Barlow was in here earlier, and he mentioned Washer. Yeah. And he said, you got to be in the mood for Washer because you're going to get cut.
5: Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. If you want to be convicted, for sure, Paul Washer. Um, it's uh, it's not for everyone. But, man, I uh, grew up, you know, in the church. And always thinking that I was saved because I went to church and um, and all that stuff. And it wasn't until I watched a Paul Washer sermon and I was just completely convicted and I felt like, okay, I think I'm a false convert. And um, that's how it kind of helped me understand more about salvation and being truly saved and examining myself. Um, yeah. He helped me so much. So definitely Paul Washer.
0: Yeah. Those are both good ones. Absolutely. You know, one we haven't mentioned and I think has had an influence on the Christian church in the last 50 years quietly and then not so quietly probably in the last few years. Uh, and we don't even realize it is John MacArthur. I mean, there are oh, so yeah. many people that, uh, will espouse, uh, the things he says and in the, the way he says things about the Bible and reformed or not, you know how many, uh, non-reformed people I know carrying a John MacArthur study Bible. And I just go, man, if you actually listen to his sermons, I don't know if you would still be carrying that Bible, but, uh, he, his ministry over the last 50 years as someone who's, you know, in the present time, I think has really impacted uh, my thinking as well. And I don't agree with a hundred percent of his theology, but I'm 90% there. And I'll tell you what, I mean, the guy is super impactful for sure. All right, Yeah. Is- and
5: he's still here on the pulpit and he's so healthy. Um, just here, like, I think he's 80 something and still on the pulpit, faithful to God's word. I know he gets a lot of criticism um, left and right, but he's very faithful the Bible, which is what I love about him.
0: Another one for me, too, was just reading through Pilgrim's Progress and, and Bunyan and just going, oh my gosh, this work is so amazing. You know, you, you get the Tolkiens and the C.S. Lewis and they kind of get the credit because they were around a little, uh, you know, lit, you know, they're closer to... Our generation, but what Pilgrim Progress did is a book and a theological book, even though it's a work of fiction. Uh, he was one that really impacted me as well. I really wish someone would either either do a really good movie on that, or or maybe even like do a modern version of that, but but hold to the truths of it. I've just always found uh, the allegory in that book to be so compelling. And uh, it was funny because I grew up reading that book. And then, you know, uh, years, decades later, I go, wait, that guy was Reformed? I, I always tell uh, the story on the podcast, like w- when uh, I, I was, you know, came back to the Lord or really truly saved for the first time in my 20s uh, and started reading through uh, Reformed theology, all these people started pop- popping up. And this is a shout out to Jordan. We did uh, a program called ATIA together in homeschool. And one of the very first lessons you learn in the opening pages is about uh, Jonathan Edwards' sermon. You know, labeled as one of the greatest sermons in American history, Uh, didn't learn that he was Calvinist or Reformed. We were just taught, well, he was just a great preacher that lived back then, and this is the sermon and study it. And that was a big surprise for me when I started going through and I go, wait a minute, the guy who wrote Amazing Grace is Reformed? Wait a minute, the greatest preacher of all time is Reformed? Wait a minute. The Prince of Preacher is is reformed. You know. Wait a minute. The guy who wrote Pilgrim's Progress is reformed. Like I wasn't told this. Some of the greatest historical figures in the church, uh, you know, held to this theology, and I grew up with it in a non denominational church, but was never really taught their theology. Just kind of cherry picked the best things we liked about it, and it was part of our church tradition but didn't really go any farther. So that was a pleasant surprise for me when I started going back and looking at church history and realizing, oh my gosh, these, these fathers of the faith and pillars of of the of the church and and our faith uh, were in that same vein of theology, which I was exploring and really starting to understand was biblical. But we got anything else here, guys, as we finish up? We just got a few minutes left. I will take that as a no, since everyone else is on mute. Well, I'll tell you what, guys, with that, um, if no one has any final words, we can wrap up here. Uh, you know, we always start out thinking I don't know if we'll go an hour. We usually end up do going the full hour. Jason, did you have any uh final words for us as we wind down?
1: No, no, this was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you guys for jumping on.
0: Yeah, for sure. So make sure that you share the room with friends, anyone that you know on Clubhouse. We're trying to grow it. I know there's a lot of rooms that go on uh, in the evenings around this time, but uh, we're going to stick to that. Next week, we don't have a room. Jason and I will be in South Dakota at the Fight Laugh Feast rally, and we'll we'll be preparing for it. We're leaving a few days later, so we aren't going to do next week's room, but we'll be back in two weeks 9 p.m. Uh, every Tuesday here in Clubhouse. Tell someone about it. The more people we get on, I think the better. And uh, I think these discussions are, they're edifying, they're fun, they're entertaining, uh, but most of all, they bring glory to God. So guys, I appreciate everyone's input tonight, and uh, we'll see you in two weeks. I'm going to jump out. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dead Men Walking Podcast for full video podcast episodes and clips, or email us at deadmenwalkingpodcast at gmail.com. None of you business.